Welcome to Back Porch Chats, where we have conversations about hope, grace, and recovery. Our mission is to shape 12-step communities where sponsors and sponsees support each other to move beyond the shame of abuse. We are dedicated to sharing knowledge about the connection between addiction and sexual abuse with people who are struggling to stop their destructive compulsive behavior. Are you ready to embrace freedom from your past trauma? And help others do the same? If so, grab a cup of coffee. And join the conversation on the back porch with Vince and Gina. Welcome to Backports Chats, which features me, Vincent, or Vince in this case, and the most lovely Gina. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. I, I was thinking features. You better add me into that one. <laughs> I want a little. I want a little shine on me. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I should say features. Gina Fox. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> our local pole dancer. Oh, no, no, not everyone understands that. I uh, know. I didn't pole dance. I uh, pretended to pole dance, uh, so that was fun. Of course, <laughs> with alcohol, anything's fun. <laughs> it was <laughs> pole dancer with the clothes on. Yep, yep, I kept my clothes on all the time, all the time. We were at a uh, 12-step meeting the other night, and uh, <laughs> we've got, uh, she mentioned something about pole dancing with the clothes on and uh, stopped the whole meeting it went. It was funny. <laughs> it was funny, and they kept coming back to me like it was right. some, some big deal. Like they never pole dance with clothes on. Yes. I'm sure they have. They might our, not remember, but they did. Our guest is an old friend. <laughs> we haven't introduced him yet, but he's in on this. And uh, the, um, I mean, he's a friend that we've known for a while. I shouldn't call him an old friend. But, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> the. Um, and uh, but, but it was funny. I told those people that uh, at the end of the meeting that uh, you two weeks from now you won't remember what was said in this meeting, but you will remember that somebody talked about pole dancing. So that was uh, what's important to remember. All right, enough of that silliness. Yes, yes. please, because it's my 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 humility that's on the line here. Uh, yes, that, <laughs> that nice red hue that you see on <laughs> Gina's face. Those of us who are out in the yeah. The video world. All right, let's um, go on. We've got, got another guest. We recently starred on his uh, a podcast that he does. I like that, starred. Starred, yeah. And what podcast was that? This is um, Stefan Neff's My Steps to Sobriety. Yeah, we, and we were the star. Mm-hmm. And um, we he rocketed once he had us on as guest. He went, went to the top. <laughs> Just being silly. Hey, actually, the the best thing that happened was he didn't get uh, removed or banned by having us. No, on. but you know what? I, that's not the best thing that happened. He's he's been a great help of um, advice to us and kind of mentoring us a little bit on some of stuff we're doing, and it has been awesome. Oh, yeah. In fact, if you haven't noticed, our format has changed a little bit. If you're watching this, and, um, and we really appreciate you know what he's done with that. Oh yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about our guest is Stephen Neff. Stefan. 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 Sorry. <laughs> All right, start. <laughs> our guest is Stefan Nest. Neff. Uh, Stefan, before he just, starts, <laughs> we, might, we might leave these bloopers in. <laughs> oh, it's getting better and better. Uh, better and better, it is. Like, I uh, should have brought some popcorn. You guys are gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I think the laughs are really, really important, though, because both Vince and I are just exhausted. I'm, I'm brain All right, here dead. we go. I'm brain you want me to read dead. it? <laughs> I'm brain dead. Take 4,207. <laughs> Our guest is Stefan Neff. Tell us a little bit about him, Gina. Oh, now there you go. I have trouble with the word anesthetist. <laughs> Anesthetist. <laughs> Stefan Neff is an anesthetist. <laughs> I'm so going to say that right for me. And has had more than his fair share of trauma. He has tried to drown PTSD, depression, and anxiety in industrial doses of vodka. I love this description. But had to learn the hard way that those critters can swim. Those critters can swim. He's going to have to tell me what the critters are. Oh, you didn't know? Go ahead, finish. (laughs) Nowadays, he lives in a very different life where self-love, humility, integrity, and transparency actually mean something. He hosts his show, show, My Steps to Recovery, and has just released a second edition of of his book under the same name. Yes. The things that don't swim in vodka, or that, that do swim in vodka, are PTSD, depression, and anxiety. That's why, and how do I know that they swim in vodka? How? Because I got that T-shirt. <laughs> We're going to remember that. Stefan and I are the same. We're the b- brothers in that uh, in that light. But let's bring on Stefan. Yes. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> you know the problem is Stefan. I binge watched you this morning before the show, <laughs> so I got I got a lot of laughs in me. Really. Oh, oh you please. know. So yep. good morning, you gorgeous people. Thank you very much for having me on your show to start off with. Uh, Vince, Jenna, you guys are gorgeous. You rock. So yes, I'm Stefan Neff. I am an anesthetist. Anesthetist. Uh, anesthesiologist, as you would call it in the States. And um, as far as critters are concerned, yes, I was referring to my mental health problems and the negative emotions and the shame, the guilt and all those kind of things that I was not able or that I never never learned how to deal with. Um, I was referring to them that I tried to drown in vodka, that I... Where I try to escape my reality. So yes, you're absolutely spot on the money there. My show is My Steps to Sobriety. My book is My Steps to Sobriety. And that is really, that is my my mission nowadays to demystify mental health and addiction and show others that regardless how bleak and dark their current situation looks like, there is hope. There is help out there. And my big mantra is the past does not equal the future. I love that. So that's me in a nutshell. That is how I live every single day. The past does not equal the future. But that's it's a hard lesson to learn. It's nice to say it out loud. And I must have said it 10,000 times, maybe more. Yet the little voices deep inside, they still want to tell me how, how ashamed I should be and... Who am I? Who am I? What the hell are you doing here? Being a guest on a show. Oh my God, look at you. And all that shit. So yes, it's a lifelong journey, but a journey I love. A journey that is so full of excitement. God, the last eight years. Ah, I've grown so much. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. So yes, thank you so much for having me on your show. 
Uh, you're, you're welcome. And uh, what I love, uh, one of the things that I've learned in recovery is uh, I take what I do very, very seriously, but I don't take me very very seriously and what a wonderful thing to be able to laugh and poke fun and and go forward with that it it, is just a joy to have that kind of freedom um you know and one of the things that i really relate to uh stefan is this and i love that analogy about the stuff floating uh back through the vodka because i talk about all those the childhood traumas the psd everything that the shame and all that stuff that you just talked about i talk about the wolves in the uh down in the basement and that no matter how many locks i put on the door and change it lock it up they have a way of coming out of there and almost feel like attacking me and that sort of stuff and that's just an, an analogy of that same thing that no matter how much you pour on top of it it bubbles back to the top so until you deal with it it's then you know I, the wolves never go away. Mm-hmm. We just kind of find out that they're puppies <laughs> instead of wolves, and, <laughs> you know. And then if we deal with them, um, we get where we can kind of handle them. Um, they don't go away. Has that been your but experience? Even those little puppies make uh, some interesting noises, and if you yeah. if you are off guard, you might even be scared by those little puppy voices um, because they sound like big bloody wolves. Oh, so mm-hmm. I well, like your analogy. Well, and like the and, and and the thing with puppies is is they're not house broke and they chew stuff up all the time. So those little puppies, <laughs> they might not be as threatening as a big wolf, but they they're annoying. So they're just going to annoy yeah. you, you know. Oh, they, true, yeah. true. That is a very nice analogy, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah but, um, so you you found that to be true, also. Oh shit, yeah. And it's it's still every day. I mean, how far have I come? It is, I mean, last weekend I was guest on a different show with Stephanie Olsen. And so there we were talking animated, I had my coffee in my hands, blah, blah. And somehow it slipped out of my hands. So there I was, ending up with the coffee straight <laughs> in my lap. And uh, it was Stephanie said, <gasps> and I just had to laugh. And then it dawned on me in that moment when I was, let's say, 25, I would have been mortified, A, to be mm-hmm. to be in such an exposed environment yeah. where I speak to the world, essentially. And then to drop coffee on me, and not just anywhere, but just straight where it matters. And my goodness, <laughs> uh, I would have been all shades of red. Uh, I would have been sweating. I would have been stumbling, literally, in my speech. And, nah. Nothing. I was yeah. laughing. I was one of doing these these belly laughs that that come straight from the heart, and it was just so gorgeous, and that showed me how far I have come, that that I can distinguish between what really matters and just things that <laughs> they happen. They happen. That yeah. probably happened to the queen. Okay, at some stage in her life. Let's be clear about that. Okay, mm-hmm. so everyone fucks up everyone does stupid things and it is a matter how for us you know god grant me the serenity to accept the things that i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference that is so so important you know i have a question 
I have a sure. question for you. I, I, as I said, I binge watched your podcasts and um, and and others you were on, and I got the impression from from what I had seen that that you had a bit of an anger problem before. And I might be wrong, but that's you know we I think on a couple of you had talked about anger, but you don't have it. I mean, you just like like the funnest kind of. I mean, you're always laughing and smiling. <laughs> Is that, did you have one? Because you'd said you'd get so angry and your wife and you would fight. I mean, this is typical, you know, what we do. But uh, like, I wasn't too angry most of the time when I drank. Towards the end, I was, but but most oh. of the time. So so what happened? Were you angry? Are you, I mean, what happened to change that? <laughs> <laughs> I think the the absolute key, uh, key negative emotion for me was anger and resentment, mm-hmm. really. I was... I was always an angry man because in all fairness, I had a lot of a lot of trauma in my life. And therefore, it was so easy to go into that pity party resentment kind of camp where look what they have done to me Mm -hmm. because they have done that. Now I drink a bottle of vodka. (laughs) That will show you. (laughs) And it's just, oh, God. But it was, there was a lot of that, that going on. And I I had never learned to take ownership of the situations. Right. Because it, it takes two to tango. And there is always something that happens to you, but also maybe ways that I facilitated what actually happened to me. Now, for some things, no, like like the gang assault as a teenager, I was in the wrong place, wrong time. I did nothing wrong there, so I can't right. take any blame there. But later on, I became, yeah, I mean, I was emotionally an imbecile. And, and, and what's the word retard is should no longer be used. I still call myself emotionally retarded. Mm-hmm. I was I was at the emotional level of a 13 year old, probably. Um, and that was when I was 30. Um, so it is, you know, it is, let's not get too politically correct, but let's actually focus on the issue that I had never learned to be a man, a man as in my nowadays definition, right. as someone who has integrity, humility, yep. transparency, authenticity, and someone in, in one action step, a person who takes ownership of everything that happens around him, mm-hmm. takes ownership. And that, that doesn't mean to say, oh, God, I'm, I'm now to blame for everything. But Choco Willink, a U.S. Navy SEAL, he takes this principle of extreme ownership to a beautiful level where he says well if my if a man underneath me um in rank fucks up then it's still my fault because i might have not given him the tools to do the job or not have taught him uh, or not supported him in the right way if someone above me in the chain of command fucks up that is still i have a role to play because did i give this person the right information to make decisions etc so i loved that that take on things not beating yourself up but asking yourself what is your role in whatever happens and that kind of ownership i have never learned or i had never learned mm-hmm. up until the last eight years yes I the am. first fu- 
Yeah, the first five of which in my recovery, I was still sort of trying to piece myself together. And it was only really when I read Jocko Willing's book uh, that I actually thought, huh, I like that. I like that. Um, because it puts me also into a place of power. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. It does. It takes me away from the victim role. Yes. And it gives me a, a possibility to actually influence outcomes to the best degree possible again right. again uh, the courage uh, to change things that that realization occurred in me and I, for that I'm very grateful that I have got this yeah there's there are things I can do I'm not powerless I'm certainly not hopeless uh, on the contrary there are daily steps daily actions that i can take right now i'm taking action i got up early this morning i showed up uh, which addict does that <laughs> we are so, yeah exactly okay the right. codependent addict kind of does yeah. <laughs> they don't show up on their best right. yeah exactly you know <laughs> what i have um the way i've kind of internalized uh, that same process that you went through is uh is um fault doesn't matter it's who's responsible and so i'm responsible for, for those below me and responsible to those above me you know and fault is only needed uh, for a definition of the problem so once we have a definition of the problem then we can figure out the responsibility so it's it's a little bit more complicated but it's kind of around that same mm. thing that you talked about and i i really relate to the fact that um <clears throat> That this whole path of recovery has really boiled down from moving from a place of of irresponsibility to a place of being responsible and being responsible for the things I can control and being not responsible for the things I can't control. You know that that whole sort of growing up because I, I remember when I did my first fourth step in the program and I took it to my sponsor and we were going through it he about half of the stuff on there he was saying oh no 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 that's not yours no 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 nope, that's not yours that's not yours and then he said all this is yours and then he went now let's take a look at some stuff that you're not admitting that you're responsible <laughs> for <laughs> you know? yes yeah, yeah, yes yeah. so well that's you you nailed it, Vince. Yeah. You nailed it, and that's the the, the reason that you can't do um, a, any twelve step program, etc., alone. Mm -hmm. There is, right. I get sometimes the question is, um, you know, uh, can't you just do all the steps alone and get on with it? And uh, in my own life, I had the same realization as you. There are so many things we say, <laughs> but what is equally important is what we don't say. Right. right. I loved you. I loved your sponsor. <laughs> And I will tell you this, everything that he said I wasn't owning, it pissed me off first. <laughs> and the other thing that I've learned in this program is if it yeah. makes me feel good, that'll last about five feet or five minutes, whatever comes first. But if it pisses me off, it'll change my life. Oh, nicely said, <laughs> nicely said. And that's us in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, because it is. We catastrophize. We only focus on a negative and some of us are even worse than others there mm -hmm. as a doctor you know you just don't accept that maybe 95 percent of your patients survive maybe 96 percent of your patients survive now nah, you want to have to be 100 percent actually 110 percent right so you are this this absolute it needs to be perfect 
Now, as far as survival in my patients are concerned, I still go with that, okay? Right. Um, but, right. but as as far as anything else is concerned, I use the same yardstick on on absolutely everything in my life. It had to be perfect. Mm. My relationship had to be perfect. Everything had to be perfect. And it, it, I set myself up to fail 100% oh, of the time. Wow. Right. And it's just stupid. But I didn't realize that until I did a lot of work and, you know, and, and even then it didn't come as one magic bang. It became this kind of, huh, here, ha huh, there. A lot of has, um, where I actually, little, little, little light bulbs went off here and there and suddenly the picture became, became clearer um, over time. So it is, uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful journey. For anyone out there who is yet to begin or has only just made the first tentative steps, it is beautiful, but it it is it is a journey, guys. Okay, it's not a quick fix. You don't go once no. to the gym to get healthy for the rest of your life. Um, it's the same with, with what we are doing here, guys. We're I, exploring. Yes, we are. And speaking of exploring, I want to back up a little bit. Gina asked you a question about your anger. And you went to that place that, oh, so, yeah. That, yeah, that so many of us uh, go to where we, you know, we deal with the bitterness and the resentment and the self selfishness and the self-centeredness and the rage and all the damage that we do with that. But I was just wondering, how have you incorporated or have you incorporated anger in a positive way in your life? Now, that is the most beautiful question I've heard for a long time, because over the last six months, I have been actually, how should I say that, pondering about that. Mm -hmm. Um, It is about a year ago, what is it, February, Yeah, pretty much a year ago, um, again, not so nice times came into my life, and there was a time when I had to make pretty harsh decisions in my own life, without going into details now, um, shit had hit the fan again. And suddenly, out of the blue, I changed. And I could feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could feel it. It was this, it was this complete void of emotions. I was going into survival mode and mm-hmm. out came the Stefan that normally is chained up somewhere in a dungeon mm-hmm. and he's not allowed to come out, but he mm-hmm. has got a role. Mm-hmm. He's got a role to play. He's the man who goes over corpses. He's the man who drinks out of the skulls of his enemy mm-hmm. if that is what is needed to survive. Right. And he came out. Mm-hmm. And I experienced the transformation without numbing myself with alcohol. So I actually saw the guy. And it, I actually, fuck, I get goosebumps. Um, what I felt was a clarity. A clarity I, as if I could see literally everything for a thousand miles. I felt this ice cold sensation inside of me. It was not fire. It was not anger. It was not heat. It was, it was ice. There was no, as if my heart was in, my soul was encrusted with ice. Um, Emotions had no role to play. It was now time to take action. And if that action, 
in the extreme thing, would that have been a true life and death? It would have been death, but not mine, someone else's. Right. Um, it was that that kind of thing. So I've experienced these emotions, but now sober and now things. So I, I appreciated the person that came out. Mm -hmm. I was scared. I was scared of that person. He was mm -hmm. he was taking over my body for about a week. Did what he had to do, and then we agreed. Now you go back into your dungeon down there because you're not such a nice guy. But we did what we did, and bang, and it was humbling yeah, because uh, I felt this. I felt I felt a positive side of anger and resentment in this guy who came out in me. And did what had to be done. And, and why? And, and why were you scared? If I may ask, what what scared you about that person, that that part, that personality, the or lack, whatever? It is? The lack of the lack of empathy, the lack of um, the lack of of love, the lack of anything nice. When the zombies come, well, you either get eaten or you kill. And it was mm -hmm. that kind of as simple as that. Life mm -hmm. became very, very reduced. In all the emotions went aside. What do we have to do to get through that? That was all that mattered. And I, I don't want to be like that. This kind of absolute goal driven. In in a negative way, or was it negative? It was beautiful to see that I have got it in me to do what needs to be done. Yeah, well, we had, I have found that I have to be careful about how I label that, you know, uh, label that part of me, especially in society, that, that steely um, maleness or whatever you call us, we're mm -hmm. being, being politically incorrect is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of labels that get stuck on that. And, and mm -hmm. in some ways, it's, it's needed as much now as it ever was. But w what behavior, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. we'll continue down this. I'm enjoying this mm -hmm. conversation. What behaviors does did that drive that y you had problems in the past? Not this time, but in the past. What behaviors did that drive that you were, that you're concerned of or violated who you really wanted to be? So you asked me initially, is there a good side to anger and resentment? Mm -hmm. And yes. So that mm -hmm. was that was what happened to me last right. year. Um, in the past, anger and resentment automatically uh, resulted in me lashing out. Okay. I was uh, I was not thinking. I mm -hmm. was completely like Pavlov's dog. Honestly, if someone rings a bell, I started drooling. Someone looks at me in a certain way, says something, maybe doesn't even mean it by it, but the way I interpreted it, Pavlov's dog. <laughs> I immediately went into attack mode. Um, that was my anger and resentment. I had never learned to stop and think, to actually see what is really going on. And it was often enough. Um, I responded to anger with anger and resentment to even nice things like my wife classically classic um she is a woman as soon as i would have my, my hand had not even left the, the the opening on the on our door the handle of our door she would be there and would tell me everything that happened in the day and give me all the problems and bang 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 and that's her. She just wants to share with me. Yes. And that's her, to a degree, her way of showing me love. Yes. Um, for me, 
I was knackered from a long day. I was not even coming in. And now the next problem is bang, 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 bang. So that immediately triggered anger. And I don't, it didn't recognize it. I didn't recognize that I was hungry, angry, lonely, tired right. at that moment in time. And then she was in my face and said, whoa, look what happened today. And I immediately thought, oh, that's all my fault. Or I took it on my shoulders. Oh, that's all I have to, to fix now. And it was that. So I never stopped to think. And guess what? Within three sentences, we would have had a row. And <laughs> yeah. then we would have drunken something. And then the row would have escalated further. Um, and it was just, what a nightmare. Oh. And nowadays, she knows. We have spoken about that. I've realized that this is a trigger for me. And I said, honey, look, I, I love you so much. But can I come home first in the evening? So just give me 10 minutes. Let me go to my room, in my office. I put everything down. Let me actually do some mindless whatever, candy crush, whatever it is. Just let me actually <laughs> come down. And then I can talk to you. So, but in the past, I'd, I, I had no recognition of what was going on. And that was the very first time in, in effect, in, in recovery, I came home after uh, after rehab four weeks in rehab i came home and the same thing was building up again we were standing in the kitchen and very quickly bang 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 a little bit like ping pong free ball exchanges and we were ready to fight and when suddenly i had this out of body experience and literally the camera went up about a meter and a half up there, there 45 degrees up there and i could see us and it was bizarre and I suddenly saw what was happening. And my wife was there. And I was just suddenly standing still and said, look, honey, I, I just need to walk out now. And I walked out. And that had never happened in our life. Never, ever. Mm -hmm. And that was the first moment of mindfulness, of true mindfulness, when I could see what was happening in amongst us between us that we were essentially two broken people two hurt people who were hurting each other uh wow, that's it. when we were really trying to show love uh in our own way but it was just two languages that we spoke uh, that, that women are from or men are from mars women are from venus. venus there's there's a lot to be said about that um and but it was that mindfulness moment that was the first time in my life that i actually observed my emotions happening there in real life and that was the the moment that was as if i would have found the keys to remove the shackles in my life I have found, yeah, I, I have found that kind of what I evaluate, and I, I hate to say healthy anger, unhealthy anger, or, or I'd rather say anger that provides the ability to thrive and anger that that hurts that ability to th thrive. But if the anger is driving filibuster, bitterness, resentment, rage, arguing, all that sort of stuff, then it's it, it actually it's too late it's generally i've been stuffing my anger um but if it drives a steeliness as you mentioned a calmness a hyper ability to analyze right here and right now what's going on but it all has that stillness about it then i know and and it really is a, about 
that anger is kind of funny is more about intellect than it is about fight or flight. It, 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 I don't fight or flight or freeze. I have that ability to slow down and get very deliberate. Um, very w- nice. W- very nice. That's w- a lovely it. way how you, how you said that. Yeah. And we need to do that. We need to be able to do that. Um, and therefore, I love it that you speak about a positive anger. For example, if I, um, nowadays I'm a private anesthetist, so I, everything is nice and calm and relaxed. In the past, I was thriving on chaos. Mm-hmm. I was in, in very much interested in trauma, etc. And when you're on call in a public system, you get those calls. Can you please come to ED right now, the emergency department right now? We have got a three-week-old child that we cannot uh, ventilate. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in trouble. And whenever someone else is in trouble, they call the anesthetist. So that was my role. Right Now, um, to, to put a little tube down a person is always an interesting thing. Um, to have a little three-week-old where pediatricians who do that for a living can't do it, and they call me. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. That is okay. And I was only about a minute away from the emergency department. I just nipped out to actually uh, get some food. And so there I was. And... I felt the adrenaline rushing over me. You get that familiar sensation of the tingling. Right. Yet my mind came. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to do whatever it takes. In my mind, I was going through scenarios. How will I deal with that? Raced up to the hospital. And as it turned out, it was actually uh, something completely different. The child was absolutely fine. Um, but there I was. There was this positive I'm not sure there was anger, but that person who were ready to do things that are not nice, okay? In a, in a, in a grown-up, you might, you might make a cut here and actually open up the trachea, the windpipe here, and put the tube in this way. In a little child, for Christ's sake, that is a, a, a nightmare. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't even have thought about going there. But, you know, all these kind of things. There are things as a doctor that you have to do to rescue a life that are not pretty. <laughs> you don't want to do them. But you have to do them. Well, and see that, and, that that's a perfect example of that adrenaline or that anger, or, or yeah. you know, it's multi. It's this is not a simple thing. But when no. you and I get that from I'm very involved in search and rescue around here. So sometimes we get in those emotionally charged family situations, and you can't get yeah. caught up in you. You were a doctor in that situation. You, you can't have the emotion that this is a three right. three week old and wow, That's this right. is critical, and I'm going to feel bad and all that. And you could just that those are luxuries you can't afford at that moment. You got to go in right. and do the job. Yeah. So mm. I um, and that is so positive anger. So thank you, Vince. Mm-hmm. You're the first man who has brought that up, and it's a bit spooky because I've been pondering the same thing and the same thing about alcohol. There are positive things to yes. our addictions. There are positive things to a depression. There are we 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 tend to look at at our at ourselves and everything else in this this polarized black and white. It must be either good or bad, and anything in between is not acceptable. Um, you're sitting on the fence, and that seems to be something bad. Whilst really, there's yin and yang. And if you look at the yin yang symbol, the the white has a, a spot of black in it, and the, the black has a spot of white in it. That's the same with our emotions. They I, are I, there. Yeah, I, I are, see. I have to be on guard with my anger, uh, in that it's it's a I'm on a, a razor blade's edge 
with my anger all the time, you know, and, 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 you know, will it, will I, and what gets me in trouble is when I stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and it builds up. And then all of a sudden I'm falling off the razor blade's edge because I can't make a choice. You know, it falls off. Um, but you know, we can't, get ourselves off of that razor blade at least i haven't been able to get off of that razor blade you know i've had to live with it that anger is something that i that i need a healthy anger and i need that energy in my life to have boundaries and stuff Uh, but if i'm going to be there then there's always i have to kind of risk the fact that i'm going to fall off on the wrong side sometimes so i got to forgive myself make my amends move on You know, and and try not try not to say those 10, 10 words that 10,000 I'm sorry's will never clean up. But by the same token, I just can't take myself off that razor blade's edge because then I become a doormat. Then I'm just people pleasing. And, you know, that's not good either. But then again, let's uh, it's okay not to be okay it's yeah, okay yes. from now and then to be angry i had mm-hmm. that yesterday morning i had a clinic and uh system changes resulted in me being set up to fail mm-hmm. um so yeah. there i was standing like an idiot there and I, it was only then that i realized what had occurred and i was to our front staff to the to girls who are accepting the patients coming into the hospital i stood there oh fuck Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. But they knew me. I'm every day coming in and, and joking with them, laughing with them. And they didn't take that in any way serious. They just saw me um, for who I was a man who just realized that he is in shit by no fault of his own um, and is now venting his stress mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of distress. Um, and they accepted that because I had. I had worked the emotional bank account. I had been every morning, I've been courteous and respectful and friendly to them um, whilst other people just walking past them, you know, that kind of thing. So that's that's our daily actions that really are so important. Those minute little things, these this little smiles here and there and everywhere that I give, if I then lose it, lose my rack, it's it's not an issue. Whilst if you're a grumpy asshole all the time there and then go. lose your rack, then people get rather offended because mm-hmm. then they say, now that's the straw that brought the, broke the camel's back. So that's the difference. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it, if you're nice all the time that you can be nice and accepting and all that sort of stuff, when you move out of that place, you really have people's attention. It's like, I wonder why he's there, what's going on. But if you're like, Mm. you just said, if you're angry all the time, it's like, Oh, okay. He's today. He's angry at a four tomorrow. He's angry at a seven. Who cares? (laughs) Well, exactly. Do I want to be that guy? No, No. I was that guy for such a long time and it's not a nice guy. And it's just uh, in Germany we've got a we've got a saying. It doesn't translate well, but the, the way you shout into the forest, it shouts back at you. So there is an echo uh, of your own. Whatever you do will be reflected back on you. Um, and it is that is so true. That say is that so true. Say that in German for us. <laughs> you know? um, wie du in den uh, Wald sch- uh, schreist, kommt es zurück. So ungefähr so. Uh, roundabout then. I, I've uh, yeah, <laughs> I now okay. forgotten the, the exact the phrasing word, yeah, of it. Yeah. But it, the reality is, yes. Um, it, it, that, is, that is, again, step four. That is where you need to take responsibility 
of your actions because you have contributed to a situation. Taking this, for example, this setting yesterday, had I not had my anger previously under control, then I very much would have contributed maybe mm -hmm. to the nurse, uh, to the frontline staff, uh, taking offense and maybe putting a, a, a complaint in um, that I mistreated them or be not nice to them. And which is not really nice for anyone to have a complaint. Uh, so I could say, here I was, I was set up to fail the other system. And then I got a complaint how I spoke to them. Well, yes, I got a complaint because I was an asshole. I was a dick for, for weeks and months. So I contributed to that complaint. Actually, eight years ago, I would have never made that link. I would have never taken that ownership. Mm. But nowadays I do. And that is what showed my growth, that showed me the, the transformation that I had undergone. Once I understood that, I understood that those little voices of, are oh, you imposter, you're a failure, mm -hmm. you're nothing, that they are actually wrong. Because just looking at that growth, that was the biggest thing that I could have achieved in my life. Well, that That's leads beautiful. me, yeah, that leads me to my next question. And I'm glad you just brought that up that way, okay? My next question is, how has your relationship with shame or another way of saying how you've healed shame, how has that changed your need for anger in your life or how the anger manifests itself? You can tell me to shut up anytime you want to. No, 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 no. It's just these are very good questions. These are deep questions. And for that, I love actually to be, to have guests on my show and vice mm. versa, be a guest on other shows because you give me basically therapy here. I today get an hour of therapy for free. Hey, cool. I yeah, like it. I, I get take that. it nowadays. <laughs> I, I get so. it. Try living with, with Vince. I get it every day. <laughs> so, I, I was so impressed by the question and what you actually what you triggered in me. I actually forgot now the question. So rephrase the question. Say it again. Sure. Uh, just to, to, How to has, my memory. Uh, as you have healed the shame yeah. within you, yeah. and that's where healing yeah. starts, how has that changed the role of anger in your life? The two of them were actually quite linked when yeah, I think are. about it. Yes, they um, are. And it, there was, I, from, from youth onwards, I never felt that I was worth something. I, I, there was nothing I could be proud of. I never felt that I fitted in. It was all these kind of things. So there was, there was, to a certain degree, shame about my circumstances was always there. I we were I came from quite poor circum, uh, circumstances. Um, there was no never money around. So therefore, I I uh, did not wear any kind of cool clothing or even any kind of fashion sense where I could say, wow. You actually look good. I, I don't think I ever looked good. Um, in And that was sort of, uh, there was always this low level of shame there. Mm -hmm. And yes, I must say then um, a lot of things happened in my youth. Then moving on to, to sort of to the drinking stage in university when I did um, 
well, I lived my life to the fullest, let's say it like that, um, mm -hmm. with alcohol-fueled parties and girls, etc. And there were things when I was waking up the next day and thought, oh my God, oh God. The classic sort of, oh my God, who are you um, in your bed kind of a thing. And it is, oh God. There were some things when I, when shame played a huge role. So I think low-grade shame was there for much of my life. And then there were waves of big shame coming in. And with the big shame came waves of big anger about myself. How could I let that happen? Come on, you're supposed to be a man. You're supposed to, what are you doing here? And, you know, oh, God. So shame and anger, they were very closely linked. Um, and I, I, was, I was always ashamed of my, of something or the other. And still am today. That's that's the weird thing. Even tonight, probably, if I remember rightly, I can't remember dreams very well, which pisses me off. Um, but my dreams are often filled with shame because in my dreams I do similar things as I had done. Um, not treated women nicely, not uh, basically promised them the world and mm -hmm. then moved on mm -hmm. after after three months when mm -hmm. it became boring mm -hmm. these kind of, of actions very selfish very big mouth and nothing behind it that kind of things those things that are frowned upon nowadays the opposites to integrity the opposites to humility mm -hmm. that defines me as a younger man and uh for that i am i still feel ashamed mm -hmm. i know it's in the past I know how everything came together. I know what led to it. I still feel shame about it. But I now do no longer feel anger. I feel a little bit of anger because I think I've done all these eight years of growth and transformation, yet I still got the same freaking dreams um, where I am back in my 20s and, uh, and behave like an idiot. And this the kind of... The best of Stefan Neff uh, comes at three o'clock in the morning yeah. in the form of dreams. Yeah. And you think, come on, give me a break. I got the message. I was an idiot. I was a dick. Fair enough. Um, but if, what is the purpose of you telling me again? It's as if the ghost keeps coming and knocking on the door and tells me I have got unfinished business. And I say, yeah, okay, then tell me your freaking unfinished business that we can do it together. Let me help you. Put the trains aside. Stop rattling. Tell me what you want. And it's the same with these dreams. Uh, mm -hmm. So that shame is, I think, that will be on my deathbed still when I'm 112 years old. And I will still feel shame about the way I looked at a girl when I was 25. Honestly, right. it is just... Uh, but these are these are emotions. These are neurochemicals, uh, neuro sorry, they are, uh, uh, chemicals that wash over us and um, and do what they do. I don't give them the power anymore that I gave them in the past. I don't respond to them in the same way anymore. Today, they are, I see any kind of emotion as a messenger, as yeah. a messenger. Typically, that I have not looked after myself in the appropriate way, that I have not given myself the self-love that I actually deserve. So if I suddenly am, again, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, um, then suddenly weird emotions come out. And they might be, they might be anger. They might be anxiety. There might be other emotions. So 
when I feel anything like that, I stop for a moment and say, whoa, okay, you've just been raging, literally raging, driving behind this driver who can't find his indicator and he's just an asshole. And I have to stop for a moment and think, okay, hang on, is that now you? What is really going on here? Aha, uh -huh. this morning you had an interview, you're now late for work, and now this idiot is driving to the speed limit. How dare he? Well, okay, that is actually on you, isn't it? <laughs> or um, actually, no, this guy is, is, is dangerous the way he's driving. He's probably still half drunk. Um, and you're quite right being upset about him. Um, so there's this analytical thing happening with each and every emotion. And I treat them like old friends. Not all friends are nice, but like old acquaintances and say, okay, hi, Shane. Um, nice to see you again. Um, the, what's, um, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off of that question a little bit, I, I, get, I, I, I do this kindly and gently. But one of the things, I, just kind of relating to your dreams, there's a therapist out there. He's passed away now, but he did the... He had a website called the Institute for Sexual Healing. Is Mike DeKerchy is his name. And uh, he did a lot around, and it was absolutely life-changing for me, of healing the sexual-spiritual split. And a lot of what you're talking about, the relationships that you had with those women mm -hmm. and stuff were there. And he talked about that early on, those of us who were shamed or had problematic behavior, that we had to split off the spiritual part of us to be sexual. And then when we were spirit uh, to be, when we needed to be spiritual, we had to sp split off the sexual part of us. So we developed this great big huge dichotomy where when we go and become sexual, we're not spiritual. And when we go and become spiritual, we're not sexual, okay? The challenge like becomes, yeah. The challenge that comes for us is to break the walls down between these uh, compartmentalization that's in our mind. And what I did, it was very simple. I started. I'd programmed this before. I'd have those dreams that that told me that I had internalized, and it's basically internalization that I'm a bad person and, and I'm evil and everything. I started having those dreams or doing any of that stuff in the presence of God. A lot of people, you know, they they they, they have trouble with that, but it's okay. I don't I won't care anymore. It healed me. But mm -hmm. it, it's generally that I envision that that behavior, like you just explained back in the past where you promised everything and three months later you moved on. In your dreams, you go and you do that in front of God, and you let the spiritual part of you know that you acted that way. What's funny, this is what's, it's not the feelings or the meaning that I brought to that that is the problem. It's the behaviors that it drove, and I no longer behave that way, okay? That's not me. But at the same time, those behaviors were fun and exciting, euphoric and all that sort of stuff just like drugs and alcohol so i have to go back and accept the fact that i enjoyed being a total shithead and that god knows that about me and he don't care he doesn't care i like it i like it a lot the problem is i i don't believe in in jesus christ so i 
uh, if I wanted to be derogatory, uh, I don't have a um, 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 uh, not derogatory. I don't need to be. Um, I just it, it. He has not touched my life yet. No, I get that in a, in a way that that I'm there. So therefore, I'm I'm, I'm struggling a bit with that. Not struggling. It just doesn't ring a bell as much. But well, you know, lately, actually, if you don't mind, uh, and I'll, God, I'll be careful, but I really understand that. I mean, I was raised Baptist and all that sort of stuff. And I, I and the most that I can say about who I am today is I'm, a, a, I'm an agnostic, meaning that I embrace the mystery of the power greater than me. I don't know who it is, what it is. It's a mystery. I do know that it exists. But I, I so I don't know what it is, and then my second dogma is you don't either. So I, I just accept that there is some power outside of me, within in me, that houses this place of utter hmm. destructive judgment. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm transferring that utter destructive judgment into a place of utter compassion and love and i don't care i, I it doesn't need a name it's an energy it doesn't need a name but you know and i'm being so quiet because i'm loving this conversation but um when i think of this sexual spiritual split or any kind of split i'm not i don't think of a jesus christ like i'm splitting off from god i i think of and this is what i heard when i when we first started this and you told about being separate and that anger from yourself it's a split from it's a split of two sides of you you know that the spiritual split is is your for example, your soul from your body, your soul from your brain. And, and, and that was the first thing I thought about when you were talking about separating from the anger is this, this, um, this split, your soul has left you for a minute so you can be angry, you know, and, and then the idea of, and, and I'm not an expert on this. I listen to Vince a lot and I do a little research after he tells me something that's kind of interesting, but um, that identification of this splitting, like when you saw it in that moment, in that moment of anger, and you identified that you were different from what you were in that second, you know, your body and your spirit were different. Um, it gives you the space where you can actually bring together and heal the split. And I think that sounds to me like what he's talking about with the sexual split, you know, in, in God. Um, and if you don't believe in God, like, like I don't necessarily believe in God either, but I do believe that that things happen have happened in my life that split my my spirit from my mind that that turn me into two separate people you know not like multiple personalities but i have to separate myself so i can deal with the pain of molestation you know i i i definitely saw that i was up in a corner watching from from above and um, i don't think i could have handled it any other way uh, and and, and, and done. you're done okay <laughs> and um what she just said is so wonderful which leads me to the next place another belief that i have about god is god is in me as me i didn't make that up that's one of those things that's out there in me as me so the sexual spiritual split is a split within my brain now there's some connection to a power greater than myself that i don't understand and i don't want to give a name to or try to label it but it's still inside of me you know, there's two sides of this spirit thing, uh, Stefan, uh, is that 
there's the spirit that's the power outside of me, the universe, whatever it is. But there's also that same spirit that's inside of me. It's the same spirit why we have cheerleaders at football games. They cheer to bring up the spirit. So there's, there's yeah. a duality through the spirit. It's a spirit back to myself. So if you have trouble with the sexual spiritual split um, as, as a god that's outside of you, well, then we've got the sexual spiritual split that's with the cheerleader squad within us, if you'll let me be stupid. There Vince likes cheerleader squads. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, I have dreams about cheerleader squad. I've had to heal my sexual spiritual split. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. I will not offer now examples of what I dream about. It yeah, is yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, but okay. then again, I mean, that is... Again, that is actually in its own right, the shame, shame comes from somewhere. And, and that is actually reliving trauma. That is actually, uh, again, traumatizing us. It's an ongoing um, subversion, an ongoing low-grade uh, destruction that's happening. And we need to be aware of that. Because if if that if you let that voice keep going and if you start actually if you after a while start believing that voice that you're a bad person because of what happened in the past, it makes it harder and harder and harder to live up to the principles that you have decided is the new you. Mm-hmm. There is you've always got every second you have got a choice to make in your actions. And now the actions are, are driven by your emotions. The emotions are driven by your core beliefs. So it is every every day, every minute, every second, we can actually change things. Most of us only, if we're lucky, change the way how we react. Uh, few of us do the emotions. Very few of us do work on the core beliefs. That's right. And because it's the core beliefs that if you can work on them, that is where the money is. So if you've never worked on the core belief that you are bad because you were as a child, you somehow put that together out of whatever reasons um, that you're a bad person, then if you don't work on that. You will you will fail. Whatever you try to do, you will not be able to 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 change because ultimately that core belief will pull you back to where it thinks you belong. You're worthless. You're you're not deserving any happiness. You're not deserving uh, to be to be fulfilled and happy. No, it is that. So we have got choices to make. And I choose nowadays to to work on my emotions and below uh, on my core beliefs. Um, as an example, I'm still a big man, um, so I have I've always been a big man, um, and I want to get rid of that. Uh, I'm a strong man, but I'm I'm fat, but I'm fit, ish. Um, but I want to change that. I couldn't change that. My core belief was always, I'm a big man. You can't do anything about it. That was my core belief. And maybe a little bit, you deserve it. Um, And so I've worked really, really hard this year. And now I've changed that core belief to, there is nothing that can stand in my way of becoming fit. And and when I say fit, uh, in shape, 
okay? Mm -hmm. So in shape I've chosen as the word. There's nothing that can stand in my way to becoming, to getting in shape. That is a core belief. That is a mantra that I worked on and it is helping me. It is helping me achieve things that previously were maybe like, like, uh, fools errands it is just like you know I, I was I was yeah I was able not able to do it so you can change at a very deep deep level but in order to do so you need to do a lot of work but again you get to do all the work mm -hmm. it's a privilege to do all the work because that's where transformation happens that's where that's where you change that's where where you get to become the new you and that is that is gorgeous love it yeah yeah, that core work is the hardest to do, and it mm -hmm. and it produces the slowest results, but it's the most mm -hmm. meaningful, lasting results. So you're right on. You're hitting it right on there. I'm relating to that. Have you? Uh, I, I have found that there's a correlation between guilt and shame. Have you done any work around that? Not in depth. Is the right answer for me they were so closely linked i've always put them in the same i call them the evil twins guilt and shame mm -hmm. um and for me they are they're one thing mm -hmm. um it's yeah i actually can't say much about it because i see them as one driver so no i can't i can't answer that question okay well i and I'll talk about where I've been and see, see if this is fitting on this is that, you know, anger, there's a healthy and unhealthy side. If you'll forgive me for using those words of anger, fear, there's a healthy side and it helps me be aware of my environment and what's going on. There's an unhealthy side where it drives procrastination and anger and all those stuff. Shame to me does not have a healthy side. Shame's just about me being bad. But if there is a healthy side of shame, it's guilt. So what I, I try to take my shame and drive it into guilt. Shame is I'm bad, I'm defective, I'm a piece of shit, okay? Mm -hmm. Guilt is I've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not bad, I'm not a piece of shit. I, my behavior is such that it's violated my value system. And I need, and, and it's actually emotions or energy. So it's energy to go do something about what I have done. Hmm. So that's kind of another healing piece of this shame for me is when I feel in shame about something I've done, I turn it into guilt, which is energy to go right the wrong. Okay, right. Uh, I need to show off. This here is Esme, the Mindful Mouse. It's my uh -huh. first children's book. All right. And I, it's written with the gorgeous Belinda Mana, so two authors. And in there, we have got our little Esme, the Mindful no, that's that's Catherine. Uh, we've got Esme, our Mindful Mouse, who does all kind of little adventures. And it does silly things because it's a lovely, vivacious mouse. And she mm -hmm. is, she's having a ball of a time, but she, her actions are upsetting her friends because she is so vivacious and bubbly. And, and so her friends are often quite angry with her. And she thinks, oh my God, am I a bad mouse? 
um, and because they are angry about me. And then, luckily, there's there's Catherine the Caterpillar, uh, who is the the sort of a like a like an angel who tells her, no, it's 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 not that you're a bad mouse. It's just you have done something there that you upset your friends. So go out there, live your life. You're gorgeous the way you are. There you go. And oh, okay, okay, fair go. And then she goes and does again. <laughs> Her actions piss off others. So see, I didn't even know it that I did work on guilt. <laughs> 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 yes, I have. <laughs> I can now say yes, I have. <laughs> that, that brings. Oh, that's spooky. <laughs> that brings that brings me to the point that I say. I sometimes being my teacher come out and teaching people say, "Do you understand any of this?" And I go, "No." I, I don't do this. I just teach this, you know. So, so the <laughs> same things you. with you. Re- the same thing with you is right. Yes. Oh no, I don't do this. I write about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's how cool. How cool is that? Yeah. See, that is that is just the moment you have connection with someone and you actually speak honestly about things that maybe previously were taboo. Suddenly, uh, doors open suddenly cracks appear in the masks and in the walls that you build in your brain Mm -hmm. that you think are are completely indestructible and you will never be able to change and you will always be the same you know never always bullshit crap um here you are by just talking honestly and having a love about yourself you suddenly i've just had that realization hey i know about guilt and shame yeah i've written about it for christ's sake i just had not put it in words as such i had not put it i had not made that link but here you go it's beautiful transformation it's yeah and what i'm relating to there for me in that situation is i know these behaviors i just need the link between the shame or the pain and the pleasure uh, Gina goes on that all the time. Life's either pain or pleasure. There's pain in having shame, and there's pleasure in guilt in that I in doing something about what I've done wrong. So, when we what you just so eloquently said, we sometimes we need to break the walls down, build those bridges between those. So, uh, got out. But I would can may I come back to the our actions? Sure. And even if those actions were actually negative they served a need yeah and we did what we did for a good reason and sometimes we forget that um no dad wakes up and thinks i'm gonna fuck up the life of my children now <laughs> no, we don't. i'm gonna be a really da- bad dad today. no we don't no no we are we are doing the best under the circumstances based upon the belief system that we have grown up in. However archaic it is and however wrong it is, it is still at that moment in time, we as parents do what we think is right and what is the best for our children. Um, As men, we do what we do um, because of our belief system. I had a belief system taught to me by my parents and by my society that a real man 
beds as many women as possible um and that is the that makes him a valuable man see he has got so many girlfriends he is cool stebonair i mean james bond right. take james bond as a classic okay you have nope. to have at least three martini and then that's okay that's right. your elegant and then you fuck everything that moves right. that's good has he got a heartbeat cool i take it right. um and that is that <laughs> is there. that yeah exactly that's that was society in the 80s 70s 80s Right. Uh, you Hefner, a bloody empire of abuse that he created, but it was cool. It was, you know, it was normal to have naked women, pin-up girls, huh, on the wall. And you think, what the hell? But that was me when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, a millennial might think, what the hell? Uh, what a, what a, what a sick man. Well, yeah, by your standards nowadays, yes. By my standards then, um, I was actually, I was on the top of the food chain. Because right. I had more girlfriends than, my, you know, my best mate. Right. Um, so, you know, there were competitions. Bullshit, you know. But it was, that was our belief system. And so, therefore, it's, it's we need to, to make sure that we, that we judge people by the standards of their time. And we need to give them the, the, not benefit of the doubt. That's not what I want to say. I want to say that you behaved in the way you behaved because it fulfilled a need. It stopped your pain. So if you were drinking, then uh, the, the alcohol, in my case, made me relax. It made, gave me the power to come out of myself. It gave me the power to actually talk to a girl. Um, you know, there are all these things. It gave me the the... the the relaxation that I needed. I was no longer in the PTSD mode, survival everywhere. I need to know everything. I could finally relax. How beautiful mm-hmm. was that? So alcohol was not the the nasty thing. It was beautiful for what it was at the time. Um, unfortunately, all these kind of things that you do, the, the hypersexuality, the, the drinking... Uh, to excess the any other any other actions that you take along the same lines, they come with a price, and that is why we are here. We have we have gone through hell and back, and we are now talking about it. Having said that, if I put myself back into that eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old at university, I was still the emotionally retarded guy. I still had no idea how to deal with negative emotions. And there was alcohol, which suddenly made me feel good. And that was so nice. The pain disappeared. Yep. So there was something positive there. And that was the same with with, with the way I treated women, uh, that, that yes. conquest. And also, I mean, in all fairness, the girls had a good time too. Let's, let's not be silly here. This is not just negative, oh, the men are bad. And girls are innocent. Yeah, my bottom. Um, no, this is, uh, we all explored our sexuality and we were all like, like rabbits, boys and girls. Okay. Yep. So let's be clear about that. So it is, there are positive things. Um, and whilst I might be guilt, I feel guilt about certain behaviors now with my different belief system, then there would have been no guilt, but it maybe probably made me feel bad. And maybe something in me sensed that this is maybe not the best thing to do, yeah. but it served a need. And for that, I'm grateful. 
because the alternative would have been worse not to do those behaviors. Um, where would that have led me? So just food for thought there. Yeah, that's good. Good. We are, um, I, I'm loving this and having a good time. We're certainly out of time. Let's uh, get together and do some more brain surfing here in, in the future here again. <laughs> it's been wonderful, Steph Vaughn. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm on whenever you want to. Just mm. give me give me the time and I turn up because that is good good shit here. Yeah, we are, we are talking honest. We are talking, we are talking deeper than, than many other people even dare to, to think about going. We are going there. And that is, that is gold. Yeah, thank you. That, yes, and uh, and we're doing it for millions and millions of people to uh, observe. It's good. You got anything you want to add? Uh, well, I wanted friend? to um, ask Stefan where people can get his book and um, <laughs> listen to the podcast. I've been very quiet today. No kidding. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to man talk and learning things, but, you know, everything was going so well and getting so deep that I just kind of shut up and <laughs> make sure I look pretty on camera. <laughs> Right. Thank you very much for the, the call to action here. So this is my uh, my book, uh, My Steps to Sobriety. It's available in, in hard copy and electronic copy uh, from Amazon. Um, if you go to www.mystepstosobriety, all in one word, dot com, um, that is the hub from which uh, you can get my books, where you learn about my show where you can uh, get Esme, the Mindful Mouse. Um, so there are links to all those things that are already out there mm -hmm. from me. There are links to projects on which I am working r right now. Um, we are, uh, I'm uh, creating several multi-author multi books uh, that look into depression in men and women. Boys do cry and uh, depression lied to me. Um, so I'm bringing people together and 5,000 words each for for each of right. these books and just tell their story and each uh, bring these lessons out there. So that is out there, my show, YouTube and podcast and etc. Everything is on that hub. So from there you can branch out in whatever directions uh, you would like to go. But I guess my point is I want to make this world a little bit better, one interview at a time, one book at a time, one project at a time, one talk, one, one summit at a time. So I, I'm very active and I guess I'm addicted to life nowadays. Um, I'm, I'm still an addict, but I uh, nowadays I've chosen the, uh, maybe something that is less destructive. <laughs> Let's put right. it like that. <laughs> uh, it is so. Yes, if you guys uh, want to share uh, and want to come onto one of my projects or want to look into my mission a bit closer, there you go. www.mystepstosobriety.com Excellent, Stefan. It was fun having you on and, and really love listening to the to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Miss Gina. Another show. Thank you. Thank you.